My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Joe McGee, professor at NYU's Stern School of Business, researches hierarchy and organizations and how status and influence differ. Joe earned an undergraduate degree in psychology from Michigan and a PhD in organizational behavior from Stanford. I hope you enjoy learning from Joe McGee today, because I always do. Joe, it's so great to connect with you again today. It's been a while since we last connected in New York. You were uh, providing me some really good input on a paper I was working on, and it it was something around uh, the definition of deference, and, and we won't or the audience for a couple of reasons. One, I don't remember the specifics, and uh, two, they probably wouldn't be interested, but I do remember how you made me feel, as the saying goes, and I remember sharing what I learned from you with my colleagues, and they're like, oh, that, that was really helpful. So anyway, it's great to connect with you again today. Great to see you as well, Nate, and thanks for having me on this. Uh, it should be fun. As you know, I am uh, interviewing people to try to find and hear the lessons that they'd most like to pass on. So as you think back on your research, your work, your career, what lessons would you most like to pass on to others? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, sometimes I think a lot about the research and the lessons from there, and uh, I want to share at least one of those today. And then there's just other stuff that's it's almost from other people's research, but also stuff that I've thought about uh, and used in my career, uh, applies to academic careers and other careers. Um, I have three of them. Um, the first one that I really focus on, uh, I heard about first from a guy named Bob Frank, an economist who actually spent some time at NYU uh, while I've been there. Uh, no longer there. He's, he's been at Cornell uh, most of his career that I know of. Uh, he wrote a, a book called Choosing the Right Pond, uh, and he posed a dilemma for people, which is, do you want to be a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond? Um, and what I always took from that is that what he meant was, where do you want to derive your status from? Um, do you want to derive your status from an organization that's got a huge reputation, or do you want to derive your status from being someone who's kind of a player inside maybe a pretty small organization. Uh, The way I actually think about uh, a little twist on that is really which one is more important to you, to have status or to have influence. Um, That's not necessarily a trade-off, but I've found that most often uh, when you have a choice between what job you're going to take, it's important to think about this. And then also once you're inside a job and thinking about different opportunities and projects to take on, I think you can think about this as well, which is, do you want to be a sort of small uh, player on a project that's really well known or an organization that's really well known? Does that mean a lot to you? And that's fine if it does. I learned pretty quickly in my career that it was just much more important for me to actually be able to do things that made a difference. And to me, that is just simply having influence. And I find it difficult to have influence in a big organization or in a project with a lot of people vying for um, kind of control and ideas. And I really, uh, at this point, don't even care that much how um, important, so to speak, the project is. It's just important to me to be able to do something on it and to make a difference on it. Of course, if I don't believe in the project at all, it's, it's really not worth doing. And I think that's, that's important for people to keep in mind. But assuming the project makes sense, that there's some sort of sensibility to it, um, to me, it's just important to be able to make a difference. And um, you know, so if you can find a situation where your status needs are met by by the project or the organization and you're able to have influence, that's great. I just think there often is that trade-off and to be clear to yourself, which one matters more to you so that you can decide, is it status or influence that matters more to me here? 
So that's the first one. Yeah, really interesting perspective. And I was just listening to a podcast the other day and uh, a woman was talking about how she realized that she would way rather have status than influence, even with her own family. And it was, yeah. it was kind of a sad tale. Um, and, and the therapist maybe kind of realized this together. And then I, I think they were going to confront, like, is this actually what you want? Um, but I love this framing because it's easy for somebody to say like, oh, I, I just I just want to have influence. I don't I don't care um, you know, where I do it. Well, it's probably because your status needs are already being met. Like we all have this need for status uh, and we also want to make a difference. So I really like this approach of, well, let's be thoughtful about it. If our status needs are being met somewhere else, maybe we can focus a little more on the influence. If we really value status over the influence, then let's be thoughtful about how we want to do that still in a way that's healthy. Uh, so yeah, I really like this framework. I think that's 100% right, Nate. I think it's really easy to look at people who don't seem to be climbing some status ladder and say, oh my gosh, they just don't have any need for status. And I think you're 100% right that that's not true. It's just right. their status needs are already met. Um, when you see someone behaving in a way that um, isn't sort of status climbing, it doesn't mean they don't care about it. It's just, it's, it's probably taken care of somewhere. Yeah, great. Okay, uh, another lesson. Uh, so the second one, this is one that I've been thinking, I don't know, a lot about over, let's say the last five years. Um, I think, you know, underappreciated is the notion of optimal distinctiveness. And maybe it's because that phrase is a little bit of a mouthful. Um, and the way I think about it in organizations uh, and possibly for people's broader lives is that <clears throat> you need to fit in to some extent, right? And there's a lot of focus these days on, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, belongingness. And I think belongingness is really important here, which is, does every person in your organization have an equal opportunity to fit in? Or are some people being excluded by structures, by values, by the culture? Um, but from the individual point of view, if you take your career or your role in an organization seriously, you got to think about, do I fit in well enough here? That is, do I embody the values that are important here? Do, do I represent to some extent what is valued around here? Um, and then the second part of that is then standing out once you fit in to some extent. And so how do you stand out? Well, you offer something that's actually distinct, that is different from the skill set, the values that other people in the organization have. And so I think that's a really important sort of test to give yourself if you think about, is this organization, is this job working out well for me? Is to think about how am I fitting in and am I offering something uniquely valuable here? Have I reached that point of somewhere near anyway, optimal distinctiveness? Such an interesting idea that I had not thought about much. We all have this need to belong, but we don't want to belong so much that we just get lost in the shuffle. And this just made me think of a football team, played a lot of football growing up. And when you join a new team, it's like you want to fit in. You want the guys to like you, accept you, but you also want to contribute. And the nice thing about football is you've got the 300 pounders on the offensive line. You've got the 250 pounders, maybe on the defensive line, the linebackers are 230. And so you have all of these specialized skills where every different skill set is needed. And so the sports arena, especially in football, provides for this optimal distinctiveness where we can be part, but we can also stand out with our specialized skills. And so I like this approach of applying it to an organization. Do I fit in enough where I feel welcomed and valued? But am I also providing unique value where I'm providing some contributions that actually give me some sort of status or influence or help me stand out a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a couple of points there. One is that this point I think connects to the first one 
uh, very clearly yeah. and you're, you're highlighting that. The other thing is I like what you did, which I, um, I think is important is you connected it to teams. So sports teams, great, but also teams inside organizations, same idea applies. You can think about it broadly for the organization. You can think about it, uh, you know, from, a, from an institutional sense, or you can think about it from the team or group that you're working on, how do your you department, think- whatever it may be. Yeah, for you and your career, how do you think about that? And how, how does this, why is this such an important lesson to you? Well, it's interesting. I think I've had to be honest with myself on uh, on this. You know, I teach a course on power and influence and uh, it gets into kind of the political view of organizations. And I don't generally see myself as a very political person. It's very important to me to be, have a lot of integrity and be straightforward with people. And again, that's not necessarily at odds with being political, but I think uh, when people think about being political, it probably is. Um, and, you know, I think that at the basic level about being political is like, okay, if you want to be political, that's not an end in and of itself. What you want to ha- do is have influence, which I talked about before. So how do you have influence? Well, you know, if you're not uh, representing the values that other people share around you, it's really hard to have influence with them. So, you know, again, it's just something I'm, I'm looking for learning as soon as I enter a team, as soon as I enter an organization. What do people care about around here? just trying to get a sense of what that is. And then seeing if that's, if that's totally unpalatable to me, it's probably time to leave. But if it's at least within the realm of something that I also care about in the organization, okay, I can take that on. Maybe I take it on a little bit more than I had in a previous job. Maybe I take it on a little less depending on what the situation is. Um, but sort of, sort of adapting to those circumstances and then thinking about, okay, but am I just a redundant cog in this, in this project, right? Or do I offer something unique? And if I, know that I can identify that I offer something unique. To me, that's an opportunity to enjoy the work, to make the work better for everyone around you. And to me, that's what it's all about. So one of the papers that I spent most of my time on this summer, uh, we've been couching the research in terms of majority and minority influence. And minority influence is just really hard. <laughs> it is hard to make an impact when you're in the minority. So if, if you are just not fitting in with the group, it's really hard to make progress. But then if we all have the same skill sets, you know, at least one of us aren't needed. So great lesson. Okay. Uh, final lesson you'd like to share today. Final one's a little bit more disconnected. I think you could connect it to the first two if you really wanted to. That's not my goal here. And this comes out of a project that I did with um, a recent graduate from the PhD program at the Stern School at NYU. Uh, her name's Anat Hurwitz. Uh, she's having fun uh, climbing in Boulder, Colorado these days. Um, but it also connects to uh, someone named Teresa Amabile at, at Harvard. She wrote a book called The Progress Principle, uh, which actually before we started this project, I didn't know about, but I've realized it connects very deeply to. And that is, um, what does the experience of having pride in one's work at an organization do for you? Does it, does it really matter to be proud of your work? And also, how do you get those, that taste of having pride? And what we found is that you don't necessarily need these big, projects, these huge accomplishments, these big achievements to experience pride. Those are great, uh, but you can also just experience pride in your day-to-day work. And the big thing that we found that was interesting is that um, people tended to experience more pride in working on the uh, parts of projects or the projects for which they had the most self-doubt prior to that. So my advice to folks is to think about in any given day, if you feel a little bit kind of lost, a little bit unmoored in what you're trying to get done, Think about what are the tasks that you've been avoiding. You're probably avoiding them because you're doubtful about your ability to accomplish them. And that means they are going to be uh, taxing. They're going to take some time and effort. But the reward at the end is an immense sense of pride once you get them done. Uh, Not just having it 
haven't gotten it done, but haven't gotten it done well, despite the fact that you thought there was actually some threat that you might not be able to get it done originally? So a couple things. Uh, this is the second time and not Hurwitz has been mentioned on this podcast. Nate Pettit described Anat and how uh, Anat was so helpful in helping him with uh, some of the struggles that he's been going through. So I, I, I need to keep learning more about Anat. And uh, this is this got me thinking about uh, some of the research on happiness and how one of the components of happiness is satisfaction. And what is satisfaction? Well, it's basically accomplishing tasks. And when we can accomplish a task that is difficult, then we hit on one of the, the trifecta of happiness, which is satisfaction. And then, you know, I, I just can relate so much to this idea of basically just doing the hard thing that you've been postponing. And uh, I interviewed Brad Smith. He's the president of Marshall and the former CEO of Intuit. And he says the advice uh -huh. that his dad gave him when he was a child was do the thing that nobody else wants to do. And he <laughs> felt like by doing that, he was able to do the hard thing. You, you get an immense amount of satisfaction. You feel that pride. And then, of course, you're you're also accomplishing things that need to get done as well. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great lesson. I uh, teach a ver version of that when I talk to students about how to have influence in an organization, take on the thing that no one else wants, but turn it into something that's really important. Yeah, very cool. Well, Joe, this has been awesome. You've just nailed the simple, practical, underappreciated. I've just always respected and admired you. I've really enjoyed connecting again, and I always enjoy reading your works. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy uh, travel schedule, meeting with me there in upstate New York, taking a break from your family for just a minute. So just thanks again for coming on the podcast today. Uh, no problem. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Nate. And likewise, feel the same way. I uh, hope we can connect again down the road. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickels and Dimes. What interesting questions Joe provided us. First, where do you want to get your status from? By being part of a high-status organization or by doing great work inside your organization? In other words, would you rather have status or influence? Because often, they are mutually exclusive. Second, are you optimally distinct, fitting in while standing out? If you don't fit in, you might not have influence. And if you do fit in, are you providing something uniquely valuable, making the work better for everyone else? Third, are there any projects causing you self-doubt? If so, you potentially just found a great source of pride if you complete the project. By taking on the thing that no one else wants and turning it into something that's really important, you can increase your influence. I love the frameworks Joe provided for us and how to think about status and influence in organizations. All simple ideas, please take them seriously. Nate Mickle here with three requests and one suggestion. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Third, if you give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And now a suggestion. If you're like me and want to remember all of the lessons shared in previous episodes, visit the list of lessons page on my website, natemickle.com, to see all of the lessons that previous guests have shared. Thanks for your support.